there are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Well, good morning. Welcome back to the show. It is Hi-Fi Radio, a show about high finance. Every now and then a little high fidelity, but it is a money show indeed. We are here to help you become wealthier. Er is the operative word. Save some taxes, compound your money, look for some good investment ideas, keep you out of some trouble, and have some fun in the process. Uh, Jack Hartle, of course, my wingman, here for the calls. And uh, we're going to talk about electrification. We're going to talk about batteries, uh, the electric car, of course. Uh, we have Eric Zontberg in studio. Uh, he is an analyst. Uh, metals and mining analysts, uh, precious metals when they're precious and lithium when they're not, I guess. Eh? Uh, that's what they do. They rotate you around, keep you in the hot sector. Um, I, I say, Eric, you, you probably would have been in pretty big demand, I'm going to say, last year when lithium was on fire. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so uh, we couldn't get you on high fire radio. It goes soft. Your schedule open up, and I thank you for joining us in the studio. <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> That's what happens. That's what. No, it's funny because Jack was talking about that because uh, you've witnessed many manias in the mining sector as a geologist and uh, mm -hmm. uh, a man of how, how many years? How many years in the business? I've been a mining analyst for thirty-three years, yeah. and before that, I was a geologist in the field. Yeah, yeah. So you, so you've seen some manias, um, and of course, right now it's all about marijuana. Mm -hmm. uh, last year was about cryptocurrency, uh, but the electric car is here to stay. I uh, caught a really cool BMW going up Bay Street, uh, you know, a middle-aged lady driving her daughter up. They look great. Uh, and this really cool BMW. And I said, is that an electric car? So I, I waved to them. They rolled down their window. They had their heads. Who's this nutbar waving at me? And so anyways, they rolled down the window. I said, uh, is that an electric car? They said, no, it's a hybrid. Uh, I said, what's that worth? $145,000. Yeah. So gas engine, electric engine, that's a lot of dough, $145,000. It is, it is. And that's the whole thing about uh, electrification, electric cars. If, uh, uh, if you want the... Uh, the world to go electric and use less carbon. I don't know if we necessarily do with electric cars, but uh, regardless, you want to get people to buy and adopt electric cars, uh, you have to make them available to the masses. And uh, that's a game changer uh, if and when it comes to play. Uh, but that's going to put tons of pressure then on your industry uh, that you cover. Uh, cobalt, uh, lithium, uh, I guess some zinc goes in batteries, copper goes into batteries. And nickel. Nickel's and an important nickel component. Nickel and batteries. Manganese, vanadium, there's a whole slew of things that go into these batteries. So in terms of um, uh, demand, uh, the Gigafactory, again, yeah. uh, sort of lost sight of the Gigafactory, Tesla and Elon Musk, uh, slightly different focus right now, uh, at least with the, the media Very attention so. on them. But uh, the demand is focused on producing batteries. And uh, we hear we hear of shortages. Uh, uh, Jack mentioned a very good f analogy that we throw on the office. And that's like a transport truck driving through the eye of a needle. Um, so, so where are we in the, uh, the cycle of electrification of cars and uh, adoption um, and, and the next five years? How does this thing play out in your opinion? Well, that's a fascinating question, really. I mean, and, and there's, you mentioned how the price peaked for lithium last year. This year, we've seen a massive drop in the price of lithium, um, in some cases 30 40%, depending on which lithium price you're using. But, of course, the issue is um, what are, what's happening with the electric vehicles. That's the primary driver for these lithium-ion batteries, and no pun intended. But if you're looking at, uh, for example, looking at EV sales... EV sales for the first half of this year just came out globally. Mm -hmm. And looking at that, we're seeing a 70% increase in the second quarter of 2018 versus the second quarter of 2017. 
70% increase. Seven, zero. Yep. China by itself, which is the largest market, about half the market for EVs, is up 105%, and Europe is up 42%. If you're looking at Norway, last month, 45% of all new vehicle sales in Europe were electric vehicles. That's a phenomenal number. And that's something that we're going to see progressively more and more in different markets. So consequently, for this year, 2018, uh, the recent forecast for the number of EV vehicles has gone from 1.95 million to 2.1 million units for 2018. And by 2025, Canaccord Genuity is looking to see that number rise um, to 12 million units. We have Eric Zonsberg in the studio. He's an analyst with Canaccord, and he covers, well, he's a metals and mining analyst and focusing uh, a lot of his attention right now on the uh, battery market, uh, as such, uh, lithium producers, cobalt producers, uh, and of course, some of the base metal producers as well. Uh, very, very timely, uh, I think, in a very macro, uh, secular field that you are in right now. Uh, Jack wants to pipe in here. Yeah, Eric, you talk about Norway being uh, 45% of new car sales. So, so what are they doing different uh, than we're doing in North America? Because I know Doug Ford just canceled the incentives that Ontario's ha- Ontario residents have uh, you know, to buy a, an electric vehicle. You can obviously still buy one, but the government's not going to be a partner there. But mm-hmm. uh, what, what's Norway doing and what can we do different? Well, Norway, and if you expand that to Europe, there's a much bigger inf- uh, impetus to put in charging stations. Right, we're, we're relatively slow in North America to put in the charging stations that we see. Granted, in our own building, we can see the, the, the growth in charging stations in the parkades. We're seeing that all around. New constructions, if you look at um, California, for example, they're demanding that all new constructions have solar panels on the roof and they have charging stations down below. So there's a completely different mindset with regard to electric vehicles. So that that's public or uh, private charging that's stations? Both public and private. And a big part of it is the government mandate. Right. The it's regulations around it. Regulations surrounding it. Uh, they want to reduce their footprint, their carbon footprint. The other issue, too, is for the automobile manufacturers, it is more profitable to produce electric vehicles. So although we're looking 14%, looking for 14% EV sales penetration by 2025, um, these, elect- these automobile manufacturers are investing for 15 to 25%, depending on which one you're talking about. You, you know, it's amazing. In China, a population of 1.3 billion people, they currently have 300 million cars on the road, whereas here in North America, mm-hmm. we're basically a car per person. I think Canada yeah. has 30 million cars on the road, a population yeah. of 37 million people. Uh, the, the interest that I continue to have is how much of that uh, will become electric vehicles. And again, we, we have a, an oil guy on, Rafi, on, yeah. our, on our airways all the time. Um, and and he, think, he thinks it's minuscule and will remain minuscule, i.e. not affect the price of crude for the foreseeable future. But uh, look, we're going to pay some bills around here. We're in studio with Eric Zonsberg. He is an analyst uh, focusing on the uh, lithium cobalt market, uh, again, with big attention towards electric vehicles. Uh, it's the way of the future. It's exciting stuff. And here at Hi-Fi Radio, we want to give you current leading edge information. So please stay tuned. We will be right back after this. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Would you have thought a metal and mining analyst, Jack, would pick that song uh, as an intro <laughs> to his segue? Uh, it's Eric Zonsberg. Uh, That's very appropriate. Very, very appropriate. Absolutely. I'm, I, I'm very impressed. Uh, I was looking for some like Megadeth or something, but that, that works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yes, Eric Zonsberg in studio. He's an analyst with Canaccord Genuity. Uh, 
a veteran, 30 years of experience, uh, witnessed many booms and busts in mining. And to tell you, when it comes to mining, it is called cyclical, my friend. It goes up, it goes down. Anything commodity-related is cyclical. And as such, cyclicals, long-term investments, <clears throat> questionable. Tradable? Without question. So uh, beware what you own. Uh, if it's secular, like a company like McDonald's, yeah, you can long haul. Uh, uh, electric vehicles long haul. It's amazing uh, when I look at the competition out there. First of all, uh, roughly 80 million cars are sold each and every year on planet Earth. 80 million new vehicles every year. Um, some growth there, I guess, too, eh, Eric? Absolutely. Uh, uh, but now you're seeing, what is it, 3 million electric vehicles per year? For this year, 2.1 is what we're looking for, but that's growing rapidly. Growing rapidly. But you said that's growing at about a 60%, 70% clip. Um, well, that... The, Per year, 70% was the overall growth in 2017, yeah. uh, Q2 to Q2 from last year. But on the road right now, we're looking at around by the end of this year, there'll be almost five and a half million electric vehicles on the road globally. Globally. Yeah. globally. So we're, we're very much at the infancy of this but theme. Yeah, no, so again, I'm going to put that in perspective then. In yeah. Canada, how many electric vehicles on the road in Canada? Uh, it's pretty small, but Canada was one of the largest growth uh, in the last quarter. Um, Canada grew by about 160%. Yeah. That's so, a pretty small base. So I'm, I'm a bit of a skier, uh, and I've skied a few times in Europe. And when you ski in Europe, you end up on a bus. Yeah. And uh, in the late 80s, uh, I skied in Innsbruck. And uh, in the town of Innsbruck, mm-hmm. uh, you could smell diesel everywhere. Yeah. The vehicles are burning diesel, and it stunk. And uh, when I was in uh, Cannes in, in, in France a few years ago, they had a very strict idling rule. Mm-hmm. And it was 40 degrees, and we were waiting on our bus, and they couldn't run the bus, and we were yeah. sweltering. But very, very strict enforced mm-hmm. uh, rules. Uh, go now to um, Copenhagen, mm-hmm. uh, or go to uh, the Netherlands, and you will see as many bicycles, if not more bicycles than people. Um, so they are so progressive. They're so concerned with their environment. They, they're so uh, uh, environmentally, so much more environmentally conscious than us uh, for various reasons, cost and, and, and environment and uh, uh, density of people. Um, so, so the innovation, like what you're seeing in, in, in Norway, please, how do you think that's going to parlay into the rest of the world in terms of trends? Well, we're already seeing it in China. For China, the environment is, is one of the most important um, dictums for the government. And so we're seeing much more in terms of buses and industrial uses for commercial uses for electric vehicles. So a lot of that short haul that's done at the end when you get a long haul electric truck, then you get the short haul that's going from the warehouse to the final delivery point, buses, um, true in China, true in India, true in Brazil, one of the largest uh, bus markets in the world. All of that seems to be going electric. And that's something we're not seeing as much in North America. We seem to be wedded to the internal combustion engine. <laughs> so that's unfortunate. But if you look at it, our... But it, does, it does work. It, Jack, it again, Jack and I spoke about that. Like, yeah. uh, you know, a gallon of fuel... Mm-hmm. It can replace a lot of man hours. Uh, yeah. I, I think of a chainsaw. Yeah. Uh, I like to play with those every now and then at the cottage. Sure. Um, there's a wall of fame, by the way, in, in, in the local <laughs> hospital in Menden. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, yeah. A wall you, of I fame. hope you're not, oh, on, you're not my, on No, it. My, 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 one of my kids jabbed themselves <laughs> with a fishing hook. And, but you see saw blades up there. Scary stuff, right? you got to be very, yeah. very careful. Regardless. Uh, but the amount of trees I, mm-hmm. I could cut down, dead mm-hmm. trees, of course, not live ones. I wouldn't do that. Uh, with, with a gallon of mm-hmm. gas, uh, is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it, it truly is. So yeah. the combustible engine does work. It is. Here. It's more efficient. It, it's more efficient. Right. Yeah, yeah. Plain, plain and simple. Right. Um, getting, getting back to a comment that you made in our last segment there, Eric, uh, you said that it's more profitable for the traditional auto manufacturers to actually produce these electric vehicles, but um, 
you know, it's, it's taken them a long time to adopt them and mm-hmm. it's still relatively slow, but it seems like the, the pace is picking up for them for adoption. Um, I was just wondering if you could speak to that a little bit more, just cause it seems from my understanding that, the uh, the electric vehicles are, are still more expensive to produce than the uh, internal combustion engine. They are, and the, and, the, and the cost for an electric vehicle from the manufacturing side is coming down dramatically. And of course, um, as you are aware, it's the battery pack itself is coming down. If you look at the cost per kilowatt um, for a battery pack, has gone from $250 less than two years ago and is now below $100 per kilowatt. A little, little Moore's Law there, right? Eh? It, it, exactly. We're seeing that happening, and we're going to see a continued drop in the cost of those battery packs. But the other factor that a lot of people forget about or don't think about is what happens after you buy that vehicle. The cost to maintain your electric vehicle is much, much less than it is for an internal combustion engine vehicle. No, the braking system yeah. is an example, isn't it? Mm. Yes. Uh, whereby part of the braking is used to recharge the batteries. Correct. correct? As opposed to wasting all of that energy. Correct. Yeah. And uh, using it to burn up your asbestos brake pads. Uh, is there, and, and for the most part, <laughs> transmission-free, guys, correct? No, tra- uh, no, no main transmission. It's, it's direct drive. I think. It's a direct drive, correct. Direct drive, so that's yeah. good. Uh, no muffler. Uh, no muffler. But so less yeah. maintenance, that totally changes yes. uh, the automotive industry and the dealership yeah. model. And again, um, from that's the- That's a good point if, about the dealership model, Al. Yeah, for the dealership, but also the warranty. The, the, the cost to maintain your warranty or to service that warranty is much lower for an electric vehicle than it is for an internal combustion engine. And therefore, engine. will the vehicle last longer? No, it's designed because you have the de- degradation of the, of battery. the battery pack. Yeah. And so Volkswagen, for example, is designing these vehicles to be done within eight years. I hate that. I absolutely hate that. You won't be able to switch out a Volkswagen car battery. But what happens is in Europe, you're required to take that battery back as the manufacturer. Those batteries then go into a second life um, for in, in, uh, grid stabilization, for example, for renewable energy. So it's not done. I like that. That's very cool. Yeah, a it second is cool. Life, a second life for the battery. And Absolutely. So, so interest of time, uh, what happens thereafter? Um, with the battery that well after we're talking, that we're talking about hundreds of pounds of stuff yes it goes into a grid stabilization unit and then in 20 30 years we'll have the technology to recycle those metals and put them back into the batteries we will we will you're, we, you're, 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 you are an optimistic guy. i am an optimist absolutely i wouldn't be a geologist without being an optimist there's gold in them hills man there's <laughs> gold right. in them hills man eric zoxberg uh you know i had to nudge you pretty hard to do this but this was pretty fun wasn't it <laughs> it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun so look you're you're, you're an analyst of 30 years with Canada metal and mining, a lot of experience uh, from gold to copper, but right now focusing on the battery market, uh, lithium, and of course, cobalt being key elements that go into just that. Well, and you also have a green thumb and you dig good music. So all in all, <laughs> dude, we want you back on the show. Uh, that was Eric Zonsberg with Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. We are going to uh, talk about more commodities, but uh, one that has just become legal. Alex Ray from uh, Homegrown Hydroponics is going to join us to talk to us about the future of you grow uh, right after this. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in-depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. I guess that's an extended version. But 
Alex Ray is on the line. It's Hi-Fi Radio, and uh, it's the day after. Well, it's a couple of days after legalization uh, marijuana in Canada. Alex, uh, your, your your family, your father, uh, has been very much involved in this space, not for a couple of years, but for a couple of decades, selling uh, light bulbs to tomato growers, my good friend. Uh, I guess your customers are no longer growing tomatoes as of now? They're growing both. Okay. We yeah. don't want to abandon our... Uh our respected tomato growers, but our business is heavily invested in cannabis. Indeed. Well, it's, it's, it's Alex Ray. You're with Homegrown Hydroponics. Uh, very, very uh, deep, uh, steeped in history when it comes to uh, the space of THC. Uh, Alex, I, so what, what catches my attention, again, your, your company, you sold light bulbs to various growers in the past, but uh, in Ontario, uh, Canadians or Ontarians are now allowed to grow, I think it's up to four plants per household. Um, are you seeing any reaction from consumers who now want to grow that have not been into your stores yet? Uh, I know it's only been a couple of days, but uh, what's your sense on the uh, you grow market? Oh, absolutely. Our phones are ringing off the hook right now. People want to learn. They want they wanted to get set up before the day. So, you know, our sales are up. Our interaction with uh, potential customers are up. And we're seeing people that, you know, law-abiding citizens never really wanted to break the law, but we're interested in cannabis. Uh, you know, I would say that the newer customer is probably skewing older right now. You know, these are people that, uh, that are kind of seeing the light with cannabis, mm-hmm. and, and it's meeting their lifestyle needs. You know, I, say, I, I see that I, big time. I, I think one of the biggest growth opportunities is going to be with uh, the, you know, oh, those above the age of 60. Uh, they probably lost contact with the uh, culture, shall I say, yeah. uh, continue to be intrigued. My, my father-in-law, who recently passed away, he was so intrigued uh, about experimenting with marijuana. Uh, you know, he was in his early 80s, and I guess a few aches and pains and the likes. And, and in fact, before it became legal, uh, in High Park, uh, someone canvassed the streets, put little um, doorknob pamphlets on saying, uh, first ounce is free, uh, so we'll supply you <laughs> like, like a traditional drug dealer? <laughs> well, yeah, but it, this, this <laughs> well, is a professional flyer. New, new ways to, uh, to reach the market because there's a lot of competition in the space right now. And that's the same with us. We're just more competition for these big LPs, teaching people to grow their own. Well, you know, it's interesting. Again, I saw a good piece on the CBC last night, Alex. And by the way, it's, it's Alex Ray uh, on the line with us. Uh, he is with Homegrown Hydroponics, uh, family member. Uh, uh, CBC piece last night said the, the panel, uh, they believe that the black market will continue to represent about 50% of consumption for various reasons. Uh, do, do they classify the homegrown as black nope. market though? Because that's not black market. Well, that's, 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 that's legal, right? Correct. That'll yeah. be legal. That'll, that'll be legal. But so Alex, what's, what's yeah. your expectation? Again, Jack and I have seen a lot of forecasts right now. There's a marijuana symposium, a U.S. symposium taking place hosted by Canaccord. So Canaccord you know, has a lot of experience at raising money and, 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 and uh, is very much at the forefront of the cannabis space. But uh, I haven't looked at the stats for you brew or making your own wine, and I, I, I've never tasted good oh, homemade it's, wine, it's not totally once. totally different. It's not the same at all. I, I understand. This. So in terms of penetration of, of consumption, I don't know. Have you looked at the numbers for, for you brew uh, in terms of what, what penetration they have? Is it 1% of beer consumed? Uh, it's it's hom- low. I, that much I know. Yeah, I, very low. But so what's your guess on, so on, on I, marijuana? When I, when I think about this, I want to look at the jurisdictions that have already gone through this process. Mm-hmm. Colorado, Washington, those states have gone through this experiment, I don't know, they're, they're close to a decade through, over five years of legal cannabis sales. Mm-hmm. And you look at 
uh, who's growing, who's selling on the black market. And, you know, there's the majority of consumers are going to outlets. There's a convenience factor. There's a, a quality factor. There's a culture factor, you know, with these different brands. So people are engaging with the legal recreational market in a big, big way. Again, last night, that, that, that report I heard on the CBC last night, they said the problem in Ontario is it's already mispriced. Uh, black market is a lot cheaper than what's available online. I don't well, know. The, the other problem in Ontario right now is that you can only order it online, and that's a big restriction. That's a big yeah. barrier for a lot they're, of consumers. They don't want to have their information online, so if they can grow it themselves, that gives Alex and his team a little bit of a leg up, I think, at least until April when you know they open up stores, you can actually go to a store and buy it here in Ontario. But, but Alex, again, we're, we're talking globally about a $100 billion market. Uh, and if I heard a great phrase, um, no, no adoption required. In other words, when you create a new market, consumers have to adopt to the product or service. When it comes to marijuana, they know currently there's consumption of $100 billion. There's pent-up demand, actually. Well, right? and, and there's pent-up demand. Again, watching to the television, I saw, it's funny because at Queen's Park, or excuse me, in Ottawa, um, in front of the Parliament building, they, they had a bit of a rally yesterday. And my friend, it was so unattended. It was embarrassing. There was no one there except a, well, a few potheads. Uh, par- pardon me. Um, so, no, but when I saw a lineup at some of the stores, uh, again, I think it was one in, in Newfoundland, massive lineup. There must have been hundreds of people waiting to get in. I could tell that store was going to sell out uh, their inventory day one. But I continue to be intrigued, Alex. How big do you think the U-Grow market will be? It's going to be huge. When you look at the economic factor, if you have a place you're not moving, um, you, you live in one place, we've got a kit right now for 1000 bucks. That's four feet by four feet, everything you need. And for 1000 bucks, your first grow at retail levels, you're going to make, you're going to grow $1,500 worth of, of retail weed, right? So just the economic factor, halfway through you, your grow, you've already paid for your equipment and the consumables, electricity, fertilizers, growing medium, it's really not that much. So from a purely economic standpoint, it makes a lot of sense to grow your own. And then we get back to that you brew uh, question, you know, why is brewing wine and beer not really penetrating into the market? Well, it's, it's really difficult to, to brew good beer. You've had the, the you brew wine and beer, and it's just not as good a product. Well, the beer you can get away with, the wine, for don't even try. Don't, exactly. e- don't even try. It flips on its head with the pot. You can grow way better pot, cheaper, uh, it's not hard. It's a weed. It practically grows by itself. You have a little plant outside on the deck or a little grow light in, uh, in a mist, an unused place inside, and you're able to create a finer product than what you can buy on the store. All so, right, so the show, my good friend, is high by radio, and well, Alice is going to teach us how to grow pot on the show, I guess, is what we're going to do here. And there's an economics to this stuff. Uh, well, it's th- legal now, at least. Don't so that's sell good. it. That's the, st- the stuff yeah. you grow, don't sell, okay? We want to keep everything legal here. Uh, but look, we're going to pay some bills around here. Uh, get right back with Alex Ray from Homegrown Hydroponics uh, right after this. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.
See, I don't know about that. Alex, I tell you, you, you your, your family, your father specifically, Russ Ray, uh, I'm going to say has been fighting the law for three decades, uh, you know, for the 420 cause. Uh, and he won. Uh, and it was not without a lot of pain. I remember speaking with your mother and how some of your customers thought they had licenses, started to produce. Next thing you know, they got raided and thrown in jail. Uh, you know the people I'm speaking about. Um, but anyways, we got Alex Ray on. Uh, he's with Homegrown Hydroponics, a uh, company that sells light bulbs and everything you need to grow your own tomatoes. Um, so Alex, I saw... Yes, I guess we can. I guess we can. I'm, I'm timid. I'm a timid a guy. I don't, I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to get here. And I plus I have to cross the border this weekend. <laughs> yeah. Next, it's not a big deal. It's not as big of a deal. We can talk about that next show. But uh, Alex, I saw a, uh, a little stat on the CBC as they're talking to the 20-minute piece on marijuana. And they asked uh, Canadians, would you buy a house had you known marijuana was grown in it? Uh, and 50% of respondents said, no, if I know marijuana has been grown in this house, I don't want to buy it. Uh, now, of course, they're referring to grow ops. So you have a four by four kit uh, for $1,000. Two questions for you. Number one, in, in growing, how many plants would you grow in that kit? Number two, would it um, infest your home with whatever your home would get infested when you're and growing mold, mar- mold and mildew and mites and bites? Do you have any issues? The law says you can grow up to four plants per residence. Okay. Uh, so we're going to grow four plants it's legally. It's small. Mm-hmm. The problem you get with, with grow-offs is there's so much heat and so much moisture from the thousands and thousands of plants. And, and these guys, they don't care about damaging the home. Mm-hmm. So it's night and day difference. They're basically you know, turning the house into a greenhouse, which is not what it was intended for. Mm-hmm. And this is not what the law is allowing for. Right. So it's night and day difference. And I would argue if you can't, see any visible damage uh, or changes to the structure of the home, then there's no, you know, no harm, no foul. Um, And it is an issue when damage is being done to the house. And I would say that moisture and mold can occur in a house uh, without pot, without any pot growing, uh, whether it's house plants, a shower. If you're not adequately uh, treating the moisture in the home and, and you've got moldy walls because there's cold exterior walls, that's a problem, and it's not uh, exclusive to the, the house that had pot grown in it. And just because there's a couple of plants inside, look, it's, it's a plant. It's like any other house plant. And when we're talking these grow kits, it's a self-contained environment. The light is all in there. The moisture is all in there. There's a little fan to, to keep it cool and to keep it uh, balanced. And there's no effect on the home in any, any real way. And how about odor? How about smell? Um, from we have a plants? charcoal filter, so the air that exits the the uh, the grow tent is being filtered. Those filters last for about two years, and all of the smell is captured. So there's no odor, and it's you know you'd have to grow a lot of plants in a home to have any lingering odor in there. It's just like any other plant, and those respondents to that um, to that CBC poll there. You know, when they think of grow ops, they see what was paraded in front of the media for the 30 years that we've been in operation. And what does the media show? You know, the cops going in with these uh, space suits, <laughs> right, and, and pulling out these big plants. And, you know, yeah, that's a different situation than somebody that has a, a, a tightened down medical grow. Yeah, fair but enough. People are, are mostly reasonable, right? You have 
people that want to grow for themselves, they own their home, they don't want to devalue their own financial situation. There's no incentive for them to do that. Yeah. So the the concerns over this are way overblown, Fair as enough. things always are. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get away from that. But I think once once the Canadian public has kind of had a little bit more interaction with with this new law, those numbers are going to start to change as people are better informed. That is just a a fact of misinformation. Well, that's well put. Uh, Alex Ray is on the line with us. He's with Homegrown Hydroponics, uh, everything you need to grow. Um, So my next question for you is, springtime comes, I can go to a local convenience store and they have these little spiral racks. I can get corn seeds. I can get, I don't know, seed for lettuce, carrots, and I can seed a garden and have a little garden. Uh... I haven't seen the marijuana seeds yet. So how do people go about, I guess, you, you got to start with a seed or a plant or something. How does the law and the supply chain affect the uh, incubation, the germination of the plant? In other words, how do you, how do you plant the plant? Yeah, the, the genetic question is, is a big one in Canada. So there is remedy in law that says that these LPs can sell seeds. They can sell clones. Um, you know, you can ask Bruce when he's on about the, the seeds that they've been selling in the, in the medical uh, part of the law for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and so sorry. You say you'll say you'll, you'll say clones. You'll say clones, right? Seeds and clones. Seed and clones. And so, what, what is a clone? A clone is a plant, right? A clone is just a, a branch that was cut off a plant and new roots came out of it. So, boom, you got a new. So, plant. I'm sorry. The seed I get in the mail, you can buy a seed yeah. uh, and ship it. But the clone, how, how are you going to pick up the little flower? Flowers for five flowers? <laughs> Call one eight hundred five flowers. Yes. Yeah, uh, really? You know, there's going to be nurseries that pop up. This is something that's still really developing. Um, I have some concerns about this whole genetic question. You know, you've got this monopoly of these these companies. There's a lot of them, maybe 150 now, yeah. uh, that are, are the gatekeepers of the genetics under law. And so where is the incentive for these companies to give out good genetics? Right. right? They, they might keep the best strains for themselves and, and people aren't going to be able to access. Now, there's, there's a sort of underground and fairly tolerated uh, trade of cannabis seeds, and I, I expect that that underground trade to continue because we have international breeders that uh, people are bringing in the seeds from from other places or rebreeding them here, uh, and there's there's every incentive to make sure that those seeds are high quality. Um, so we'll see changes come over time, and the big difference that we've seen right now is the change to the tax code because every seed is going to need a dollar tax and every clone is going to need a dollar tax. So if you buy 10 seeds, there's $10 in taxes um, under the cannabis scheme. That 10 seeds, $10 in taxes? Absolutely. 10 yeah. seeds, $10 in taxes. And if you grow some plants outside and they go to seed, you can have you know one plant literally have thousands of seeds. Yeah. So, I mean, under the, the new laws, you're able to give away cannabis products. If oh my. you grow some, you can give away 30 grams to oh, each oh, of your oh, friends. Oh, oh boy. Now, now, I got vision of Halloween. Someone, <laughs> you know, our neighbor once took little um, little nuts and painted them as, as, as uh, little little pumpkins and handed them out. Who wants a nut? Okay, like, please. So, so don't, don't give away the marijuana seeds at, uh, at Halloween to the little boys and girls. Don't do it. Uh, Alex Ray, we're out of time, my good friend, with Homegrown Hydroponics. Uh, if you're interested in growing yourself, uh, Homegrown Hydroponics is the only way to grow. Uh, that is what your jingle has said for 30 years. I remember hearing you guys on Q107 back in the day, uh, Psychedelic Snack, and I think it was Andy Frost who hosted, and he said, oh, now you put He's that. He's a you, good friend of mine. You put that in your pipe and smoke it, eh?
Alex, it's a treat to have you on air. We're going to stay on the topic, but to go from the mom and pa, Alex Ray, has been out for 30 years, to Bruce Linton, who came out of IT and created a new industry, I'm going to say, uh, in a matter of years. Bruce Linton, uh, President and CEO of uh, Canopy, uh, on Hi-Fi Radio right after this. Making money is the best. So how do you make more money? Life would be back after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Yeah, you know it. Uh, so Bruce Linton is on the line. He's the president and CEO of Canopy Growth, formerly Tweed. Uh, it's a stock that trades in the Toronto Stock Exchange and also in New York, and the symbol is weed. W-E-E-D, indeed, is a great symbol. So, Bruce, I'm going to lead off with, um, as a portfolio manager, and uh, you know, uh, I have various styles that I apply to my discipline of building portfolios, from fundamental analysis to technical analysis to quantitative analysis, and even something called relative strength. And every day I look at my, I have a, a watch list of 300 stocks, uh, 50 I own, uh, 250 I'm watching uh, to see you know, when I want to pull the trigger. And it shows you strong stocks and weak stocks, anything from an Amazon down to a drug stock, you name it. At the top of my list, out of 300 stocks, relative strength, number one, your company, Canopy Growth. Number two, HMMJ, which is the marijuana ETF. Number three, Afria. Who would have thought, out of, you know, on the same list is MasterCard, Amazon, Take-Two Interactive, Adobe, like really, Salesforce, like very big, powerful, hot companies, but on a relative strength basis, price momentum, my friend, you got Mo. So I'd say your algorithm works okay for the first one. <laughs> so, Bruce Linton, uh, you have become an absolute rock star in Canada. Bruce Linton, President and CEO of Canopy Growth. I'm going to say it over and over again through the next couple of uh, interviews. But it's important. Um, but, uh, well, and I should urge you, Wolfgang, remember the way we met is you were the big dude, and I was the guy saying, hey, why are you going on TV when we're up at BNM? What's this about? What do you talk about? And I still think that is appropriately how I should view myself and continue to act in that way, which is. I don't think I'm a rock star. I think I've been fortunate to get here, but it is not that caused my IQ to go up or something of that nature. Okay, Bruce, you know what we like about you? Jack's got a phrase for a guy like you. Jack, what is that phrase? It's like Warren Buffett. You have the, the founder's mindset. The founder's mindset. You remain an entrepreneur. When we call you, you come on the radio. Yeah, there's no, you know, yeah. If you're available, you come on. It's great. Well, what do you have, but who else is calling him, really, to get on the air? Yeah, like, it's maybe, not like Anderson Cooper's hey, calling. Yeah, 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 have you done any media today? Any other media today? No, you're, you're my uh, you're my third interview after Anderson Cooper. After <laughs> Anderson Cooper. I, you know, I like, yeah. can you say that again? Please only hear that again. Yeah, third interview right after Anderson. So, you know, and it is, there's a pretty linear line, right? Start marijuana company, be on CNN with Anderson Cooper. Um, or you have to actually have quite a few things go right in the middle. Hey, hey now how about Anthony and, Bourdain, CNN, uh, being an investor in which company was he involved in? Yeah, yeah, he had a stake. Yeah, he had a stake in one of these marijuana companies. Uh, anyways, uh, Bruce, we we got so much we can cover. Uh, I do want to congratulate you first of all for being a pioneer in this space. Now we just had homegrown hydroponics on air. Alex Ray, uh, his father Russ Ray, has been selling light bulbs to growers for thirty years. So he too was a pioneer. Uh, I don't think you ever crossed his path, but uh, both obviously you and he, uh, legend, and I think in Canada and globally for that matter. Uh, you know, Canada is now setting the example for the world and for other countries to legalize. Uh, again, I watched a great piece on the CBC, and they said, you know, if Canada gets it right, kudos to us. If we get it wrong, it, it will affect a policy. Um, on a, on a global scale, perhaps. So, you know, here we are in Ontario. I was on our website in Ontario. I can't say I'm overly impressed with the website. Um, 
the black market, let's start, let's start with that, uh, Bruce. In your opinion, uh, here in Canada, how much will the black market continue to control? Yeah, so I, I, you know, I've been pushing everybody, let's call it the illicit market, because it gets rid of any um, allocation of color. Um, and I think the illicit market is hosed. And the reason it's hosed is who gets the lion's share of the revenue from sales at legitimate proper stores? Two-thirds of it goes to, say, the province. Who runs the police budget in most places? A lot of it's the province. Second is, if you're a landlord and you're listening, and you have people who are using your real estate to grow, sell, or in any way be involved in the trade, I think Ontario has a view that you could be eligible for fines that start off around 250 k and go up. Um, So now, you're the landlord who's been turning a blind eye, and before you know it, you're going to go broke. Third thing is, if you're willing to continue to do that, sell it, grow it, and you have more than 30 grams, and your activities involve a minor, the target uh, incarceration time is 14 years. And if your target client involves people who are not minors, it's four. So, you know, to play the record backwards, uh, where are you going to hide your stuff? Who are you going to sell it to? And how come you're going to take that risk profile for this product set? You're way better off with things which are no longer, which are still on the prohibited list. And so I think you're going to find the allocation of time, effort, and income from that organized cohort is not going to be towards cannabis, nor should it be. And it probably won't move over to making moonshine because moonshine was governed pretty similar and kind of challenging to buy illegal moonshine these days. It isn't. And so I, yeah, no, I think it, that's more the pattern you should look at. Very interesting, Bruce. And yeah, because I did catch that. The, so they're actually getting tougher on uh, uh, cannabis uh illegally produced uh, coming out of the end of prohibition. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah. Well, that, that's kind of like really the end of prohibition doesn't mean that it's a free-for-all. It means that it is governed, and it, so it's going to be regulated. And the government has a big interest in it now, i.e. taxation sure, revenue. So this is interesting. You're now hitting the government's wall, and it makes sense why they're going to get right. tougher. So very, very regulated, interesting. Yeah. Regulated and educated. That's really what went down. Uh, we got Bruce Linton on the line. Uh, he's the president and CEO of, of uh, Canopy Growth, uh, a pioneer, a trailblazer, um, and, well, a very, very highly viewed uh, individual right now, so much so that Anderson Cooper uh, spent some time with him. But well, Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartler are going to spend some time with him right here on Hi-Fi Radio. Please stay tuned. We will be right back after this. Stay with us. There's more shows still to come. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, you're listening to Hi-Fi Radio, 640 in Toronto. Wolfgang Klein, your host. It's a show about money. Jack Harlan in the studio for the cause. Uh, we have Bruce Linton on the line. Now, he's the president and CEO of Canopy, uh, the world's largest uh, marijuana producer, um, and now partners with uh, Constellation Brands. We had Homegrown Hydroponics on air uh, prior to our interview. And uh, the, the, the U-Grow market, um, a getting seeds, getting clones, uh, and market share potential uh, that they would be taking away from individuals like your companies like yourself. What's your guesstimation on the U-Grow market? Is, is it going to be significant and uh, doable? I think it's going to be doable. It'll be a fun novelty, and it'll be about as threatening to our sector as the brew-your-own-wine sector yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, so, you know, at the end of the day, honest to God, 
Do you want to grow plants in your house that emit really strong, specific odors that need a lot of fertigation, a lot of light, so they generate humidity and an output of having to cool your house more, depending on the season? And um, if you don't tend to them just right, you end up with bunk. So I think we'll sell a lot of seeds, and I think we should send coupons to say, you know, have fun. When it doesn't work out, here's a 10% off coupon when you come back to buy the good stuff. So, so Bruce, <laughs> you, you, br- you bring up a good point there, Bruce. Uh, in Canada, what kind of marketing can you do? Because uh, brands are huge. Wolfgang and I are, you know, big brand. Uh, pers- or, uh, we believe in brands. Um, what, what's your views and what are the restrictions that Canada's put on uh, your marketing strategies? So we were able to develop our brand for the last six years. You know, I'm on your show because, you know, Tweed, yeah. you know, Canopy. Um, everybody knows Tweed and Canopy. And they know Bruce Lynn. Well, I was going to say, the first, well, thing, I saw, the first thing I saw with the first uh, leaf that was sold was Bruce Linton and a little Tweed bag, which was amazing. Well, listen, man, we, we, we had, I think, 50-plus interview cycles with global media. I mean, from Japanese to German to French to English, uh, all through the world. And it wasn't so that Bruce can become no, more known. It's that this is a business-to-consumer business. And if they trust to know a brand, if this is something coming out of Prohibition, they believe this is the one to get, they'll buy the hell out of it. And if you were trying to run any online store in Canada, the first products that sold out, you probably had the most of it, was ours. And so trucks have been rolling to fill them back up. But people were contacting me saying, man, I'm on the OCS site, and I don't see any of your product. That's, I said, well, it's because you got up too late. You should have been up at, like, one in the morning. <laughs> really? They're already sold uh, out, eh? Well, they sell out, but we got more to ship to them. We got right. lots more to ship to them. Like, we have 100,000 containers of cannabis waiting to go to the right place. But if I send it to the wrong place, I can't take it back from Manitoba if Ontario needs it. But I can ship it more to each place. So this was Just a legit delivery. delivery. And, you know, a lot of the, the, the media media, they're hilarious, right? They're saying, look, it, there was a shortage. I said, let's blame the customer. You know what they did? This is really irresponsible. <laughs> they waited 90 years to get cannabis legally. And you know what? They all bought it right away. Isn't that stupid on their part? Of course there's shortages right away, man. This is like 90 years you've been waiting in line. What are you going to go in and say, yeah, no, actually, I'll wait a couple of weeks to buy some. That's, you know, it's, it's, of course they're going to sell out. This is... This is the most novel experience people have been able to have in a generation. Of course it's going to sell it, and it's going to sell it again, and more and more and more. And then we're going to get to make new products, which are going to be in formats where adults will say, you know what, this is never about smoking. It's about consuming it. And consuming it could be a beverage. It could be some other format. And they're going to be in these stores that we have a whole bunch of them in Ontario, and call it 10 months or something. And those stores will be worth visiting, and that's going to do what? It's going to cause people to revisit, repurchase, and then determine which path they want to take. Are they in for beverages that are alcohol or are they in for ours? Yeah. yeah. Well, the beverage market is a whole other market, and certainly, Bruce, uh, you have a nice uh, partner in the beverage business. Um, obviously, we heard of uh, rumors. I don't know if rumors are fact about Coca-Cola. There's some other uh, uh, beverage company that uh, stock went gangbusters, but they just mentioned the word yeah, well, but uh, cannabis-infused. You're, bus- you're in the business of stocks, which are supposed to be equities governed by rules. Do you like having rumors go around? Do you like people to shut up work and announce through a press release a concluded action? Because if you buy on a rumor and it doesn't happen, what happens? You got ripped off. I think that you should not hear any rumors. And when we just did a $5 billion deal, you know what happened to my stock two days in a row before we did the deal? Mm. Traded down like a son of a gun. I think that's what you should do, right? If you're actually running a business, you're not whispering to people and you're not meeting people in a bar. You're sitting in a lawyer's office for 10 days straight to get the deal done. Yeah, yeah. And so our, our whole sector, the reason your listeners are going to pick a bunch of canopy and maybe bet on some little things that I've never heard of, 
is you're actually going to have to have companies that are good companies, not people talking about Dank Kush and who they had lunch with and why that's a big deal. That's just, that's what you do in about grade two, and the sector should grow up to at least high school. <laughs> well, like I said, Bruce, you're right now on my relative strength chart of 300 stocks, and that, that's a mixture of credit card stocks to bank stocks, tech stocks, healthcare stocks. Yeah, well, I guess your company is a healthcare company, isn't it? Uh, number one on number one on the list on a relative strength basis. Uh, I and, wish you. Gra- and you know how we stay there? We're going to stay there by staying focused and actually running a great business business. And all to that, we're going to disrupt. I hope about 500 billion dollars of total addressable market on an annualized basis because. We'd like to disrupt pharma. We'd like to disrupt geriatric care, animal care. Mm, How do you do sports recovery, beverages that are alcohol? If you take all of those things together and say, whose world are we causing to have stress? I think it adds up to quite a lot. Interesting. Well, my good friend, I did uh, order some, uh, I think it's called Aphoria, some of your uh, lotion and potion. Uh, we're not going to go any further than just that, but I am curious about that uh, CBD cream of yours. Very, very intrigued by that. My good don't say anything else. Uh, that was Bruce Litton. Well, uh, next time I come <laughs> back, you're answering the question. <laughs> I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. Okay. Uh, Bruce Linton, President and CEO of Canopy, uh, pioneer and a good friend of Hi-Fi Radio. Treat to have you in studio each and every time you join us. Uh, Jack, good job as always and uh, of course Brittany the Butcher uh, great job working the board I want to thank you for your time have yourselves a great weekend good friends and we will see you next week on Hi-Fi Radio you've been listening to Hi-Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management for questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com Hi-Fi Radio for the love of money we'll see you next week